my name is Rodrigo, and this is another one of our Ether Talks. If you listen to our podcast on a regular basis, uh, this podcast exists outside of our regular podcast, and we do this because we like to talk to people that are passionate about the Bible. And today, as a very good friend of mine, Chris Haddock, a minister in the One Miami Church, is joining us to talk about uh, church and the generational gap, and he'll explain a little better as to what we're talking about. Uh, this particular episode of our podcast is going to feel very much like a conversation. Chris and I are very good friends. We go way, way back, and uh, our friendship was built upon many a Panera session of discussions that revolved around the Bible and were made across a cup of coffee. And wow. so... Uh, this kind of thing is exactly what Chris and I do all the time, so I'm very excited about our talk. And first of all, Chris, why don't you uh, tell our audience why uh, you got interested in this topic and why you're passionate about it? Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, first, it's, just, it's real fun to be on here. I feel like we've just elevated our Panera Bread discussions yes. to like the World Wide Web, <laughs> global. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, I think this topic... For me, I've been hearing it a lot recently in uh, meetings that I've been in. Um, it, it has become very popular. Uh, that is methodology on how to do church. And I think um, what ends up happening is the discussion is framed in such a way where everything is centered around what happens on a Sunday morning. So if they can't fit, it sounds like when I have a, a in, in my meetings, whether it's a leadership meeting or having discussions with people or what's popularly shared around from videos uh, that people are looking at or books they're reading it's either house church or big church or it's uh <clears throat> and it centers around on sunday mornings it has nothing to do with monday through saturday or the rest of the week and then uh, this kind of centralized format of how it needs to be done and i think that's generally an old school mindset so the new generation coming up where most things are somewhat decentralized of course, with the advent of things like the internet and social media, right? I think what ends up happening is um, there's this clash between independence and interdependence and um, people wanting to do their own thing. And there's another clash of an older school mentality of like, you know, there's a hierarchy and you just have to toe the line. And so that's clashing on a generational level, but it's also coming out as we see, I think, in church where some churches are very heavy in social media in old school churches, they'll wear a suit and tie and preach for like an hour and 20 minutes and everyone will kind of sit there. Right. So, and so what you're finding is, is sort of the, the challenge of navigating those two perspectives. So like when you say, for example, right, that uh, uh, people are focusing on Sunday and not worrying about the rest of the week, like, what do you exactly mean by that? Like, do you feel like we just put too much emphasis on the one, uh, I guess, on the event aspect of of our Christian walks, or or what is it? What is it that you're getting at there? Yeah. So, <clears throat> for example, I was in a meeting about a week ago, not too about a week ago, a little over a week ago, and. And there's uh, different generations at this gathering. And one of the guys, um, you know, as we're talking about, it was a younger gentleman. He said, you know, we need to make sure that, you know, when people walk into the building, they feel a certain way. And then there's 
um, just the experience. And he kept using phraseology like experience and stuff like that. And then the older gentleman came in and says, you know, well, in the Bible, I don't see Jesus talking about the experience. He talks about one another relationships. Jesus talks about this. Jesus talks about. And so he, he started quoting different scriptures about unity. And then I, I kind of chimed in because I saw this big gap between both of them. I think one guy, the younger guy, is coming from a, a, a mindset of, well, we inherited Sundays and this is what we do. And if we do it, we just got to do it excellently. What We right. want people to have an experience, not just attend and then leave. And the older gentleman, he was like, well, that doesn't really fit well with what the scripture teaches. It was a more literal. And I, I kind of pushed back on that gently because I said, you know, there is no Sunday format in the New Testament. So you right. can't take the scriptures talking about one another relationships and try to superimpose that in a say two hour morning segment and hope that the outcome is going to be the expression of all these scriptures. And so the problem I think though was for both of them was that the, the discussion was framed on a meta kind of area where it was, they had to discuss it within the realm of Sunday and their mindset of church equaled those two hours in that Sunday morning. And it was hard for them to figure out how to like, so the younger guy, how that applies to the rest of the week and the older guy re not realizing that what he's talking about is life on life is the discipling is the relationships that people have with one another. And church should be kind of one, a, a Sunday morning service should be kind of a, a celebration or an expression of, what's already going on rather than trying to make it happen there. Right. So that's, I think that's it. Like even there, I think I've found a lot of books written about it. I have a friend of mine who's writing an article trying to revolutionize Sundays to make it more first century. And I just think that the starting point is off base because everyone's starting on a Sunday morning and uh, throwing the rest of everything out. You know, it's interesting you bring this up because I feel like, um, well, if, a lot of things, and I, and I want to get to all of them, and I'm glad we're having this discussion because I find this topic super interesting, and certainly the the um, the generation conversation is super interesting to me. And I I do think that a good departure point of departure on this on this whole conversation is sort of uh, just to piggyback on what you were saying. There's no prescribed way. Right. that the Bible gives us on how to do church, right? Like through some stuff in the book of Acts and through putting some stuff together uh, through the epistles and stuff, you can sort of piece together an idea and also through some like research and, and archaeological and historical records and stuff, you can get an idea of how the early church uh, did church, right? Like mm -hmm. how they their gatherings, what they were like. Yeah. But neither Paul nor Jesus, no other or any other New Testament author ever prescribe this is how you're going to do church. Like that doesn't exist, right? Biblically speaking, I mean. And I think because of that, we're sort of left with all these questions uh, but I do think that a good point of departure is sort of this idea of like there's the Bible doesn't give us a way to do church. It's sort of up to us how yeah. we do church. And I think in that there's sort of like 
two extremes, if you will. Yeah. I think there's the extreme sort of like this young man that you're saying is how do we cater to people? And there's also the extreme that is uh, more, I guess, tradition driven. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this, this yeah. <clears throat> we have created up until now a very solid idea of what church is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And uh I think people there are there are certain people that sort of try to really stick to that, whether a lot of times it's stated or not. I don't think anybody ever comes out and says like we need to do it as close to the way that we've always done it as possible. You know what I mean? And even for example, you're in Miami. Like we know each other because we were in Miami for a long time. Yeah. You're still down there. I am now in Columbia, South Carolina, and I think Columbia not only for the church that I attend, but Columbia in general is sort of like a very uh, traditional place. Yeah. And there's sort of a, a a certain degree of culture and a status quo that you need to uh, obey, if you will, <laughs> to, uh, to, yeah. to just navigate the culture of the city. And that even goes to church, man. Like uh, back, so I, I moved to Columbia to work for a church. I'm no longer working for that church. But during the time that I did, there was a time that I got up to preach because we had like a rotation and I preached maybe once every three months. Um, but there was one of the times that I got to preach and I got to preach on uh, on a Sunday with jeans and a nice shirt on. Uh-oh. And <laughs> there, was, <laughs> there was a good amount of people that didn't like it, so much so that the uh, the head minister basically made a rule that if anybody was going to preach, it was going to have to, we were going to have to wear at least a coat. Wow. And ever since then, if you're going to go up to preach, then you have to wear a coat. And so, and, and I understand where it comes from, right? Because there's a lot of older people in the audience who is part of their culture to dress their best. Like, Sunday clothes and Sunday attire are very particular. Yeah, it comes from the 1700s. Right. But but see, this is this is the part that I think bothered me about it is that I I think and I think this is a, the where we never get to the to this part of the discussion, right? Um I think with a lot of this stuff, we never get to the part of like what is that so the the person that's gonna uh, automatically not listen to me because this was part of the discussion that we had about the whole code thing. Yeah. Like, hey, if you go up there without a code on, people are just not going to listen to you, right? Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, I understand that, and I understand that that's part of the culture, right? But how judgmental is that? Like how? judgmental is it that a person is just going to shut their ears because I don't look the way that they expect me to look. Right. You know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of times that's an aspect of this conversation that we never get to because, and I think, and because ultimately, right. I think, I think church needs to be a reflection of our Christian character. And I think to me, that's sort of the best North Star on how to approach, like, hey, how do we do church? And 
to me, the answer to that is like, well, how do we best structure things, organize things, however you want to call it, in order to really display the Christ in us? Mm. And I think that's a much better approach than sort of like the approach of like, how do we cater to culture or how do we cater to tradition? And so I don't, I don't know what you think about that. And I don't know necessarily if you even think this is part that this, what I'm saying now is part of the sort of the thoughts and the conversations that you've been having. Yeah. No, I think it's, so what you described is a symptom, right? It's, you know, you can go into history and trace back how we started meeting so somewhat officially and Sundays were sanctioned. Um, and, and then the formalities of that. And then when we broke off and the Protestant movement broke off and then, so, you know, the Anglican church kept some of the elements of the Catholic church and the Roman Catholic sure. church and, you know, some of the liturgies and then it kind of broke off from there even further. And then it became a bunch of different, groups of individuals we call denominations trying to figure out how to do a Sunday morning to recreate what they had inherited was the mass, right? And to to do that, but they never really, I don't say they never really, I would say for the most part, the overarching discussion was on Sundays and those formalities and the dictums that people would give and the lectures rather than the one-on-one relationships. Now you have communities where obviously it's seen more readily, but still Sunday was kind of like the magnum opus. It was like the thing that everyone looked forward to. Right. And so as things came down, depending on, you know, in the West, particularly in the U S you know, you know, you mentioned the Carolinas and the South it's tradition, but that's still a symptom of a discussion. I think is framed in the wrong start the wrong starting point. You know, like with the restoration movement, we talk about restoring New Testament Christianity. Well, you have to define that because you can say, I'm going to be a New Testament Galatian, which is probably not a good idea, <laughs> or a New Testament Corinthian, Corinthian right. first book, <laughs> right? Probably not the best idea, you know, in some of those cases. You know, there's so I think what people mean when they say that is they want to get back to the purity of the teachings of the apostles as they wrote them. And to your point, they never described a prescription on how to, when you gather together, officiate a church service. Now, if you look at maybe, I would say the, the closest thing you would have something like that would be First Corinthians maybe 11 through 14 where Paul's talking about like order and worship and right, different right, right, gifts right. and people. Can't, but even that is more like to that church, very specifically the Corinthians, addressing specific things of what was going on right then and there. Right. He does give some principal things about, you know, hair coverings and stuff. So, but it's not like commands, you know, he even says that, you know, we have no other traditions in the church, you know, like, so there's a cultural element. And I think, so the symptom, what you described in my opinion is a symptom, wearing a coat, wearing a tie. That's just how you do when you, how you do what you do on Sunday mornings. Right. Um, but the, the challenge is, is to kind of, I guess wipe the page blank and figure out what does the scriptures teach us? What does it not teach us? Right. Cause what is it not telling us and how do we best express that? And then we need to 
divorce the concept that Sunday morning equals church. Like even our terminology in this discussion, when we talk about how do you do church, right? Like nowhere is that phrase in scripture, the way you do church, it's, it's, it's family, <laughs> it's relationship. You don't do family, you know, when you come together, uh, like on a holiday, it's come, okay, fall, you know, you love fall, <laughs> you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. You're not going to say, how do, how are we going to do family at our Thanksgiving gathering? Right. Who's yeah, going to speak, you know? you know, so it's, so I think, I think it's more descriptive of the relationships. And even in first Corinthians 13, when he gives that from 11 through 14, this kind of description of how they need to do things in order and worship, he's like, listen, guys, the most important thing is love. Right. And love is relational and it's going to be messy and it's not going to be clean. It's not going to be. And I think so kind of backing up to the original point of Sunday mornings, I think if we're going to do a Sunday morning gathering to your point, it's got to be an expression of Christ in us. So when we're not all facing one direction, looking on a stage, when we're interacting, people should see Christ evident in our discussion and our relationship and our, our one anotherness. When we're, if, if we're going to do a two hour or three hour, whatever Sunday morning gathering, then it's up for grabs as to the type of method we decide to do, but we have to be okay with the realization that one, this does not equal church. So if I'm not happy with the worship or the singing or the kids program or the speaker, this does not equal church. This is a Sunday morning short period of time where we gather together to hear someone teach us something from scriptures and we get to worship kind of corporately together. And I think that's the hard part. I think because so many people are doubling down on the fact that Sunday morning is church and they start at the wrong place. And then we have all of these different books and theories and concepts. And when someone gets frustrated because you can't love one another, or have a meal on a Sunday morning sitting stadium style, looking at a stage, they abandon the thing altogether and go to house church as though that's the panacea. Like we got to get into a small group and, but you're still doing it on a Sunday morning. Right, right, right. <laughs> and so I think that that's where the, 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 the misunderstanding is in the younger generation. A lot of them, they just really, they don't really care because they want to feel their faith, you know? So they'll come into a Sunday morning. They want the low lights, dim lights often. I'm not saying for everyone, uh, less tradition. And yeah, they'll have the, the skinny jeans or the ripped jeans and, all they care about is authenticity, someone relating to them and speaking a language that they can understand, and it makes real sense. It's not like even expository preaching to this, to some point. If you don't translate it into something relative today, it's almost – that's like authenticity is the jacket for the next generation, what the jacket was to a traditional generation. Yeah. Well, let me let me ask you this. So if Sunday, and I think you've alluded to it, but I think I, it, just for the sake of our conversation here, I think it'd be important for you to define. So like if, if Sunday service mm -hmm. is in church, right? then what is church? That's the right question to ask. All right, so I think in Scripture, I think it's obviously important to start there, the church is, the church is described many times either as a body as a family, right? As as a somewhat brotherhood, he even calls brothers and sisters. Right. And that 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 I think is probably the most pure description of the church itself. It's a family. 
to have brothers and sisters. Paul even tells, uh, I think it's Titus, you know, treat older men as fathers, older right. women as mothers, younger women with as younger sisters with absolute purity or Timothy, you know? And so like, it's a very familial kind of relational. So that I would say is church. Like, even if you look at the Greek term and you probably know this more than I do, what the, where does the word church come from? Is that, that's Greek, right? Yeah. Ecclesiastes. What does that mean? What's the definition of that mean? The gathering. The gathering. That's all it is. So when anyone gathers, even Jesus literally said it, where two or three gather, where two right. or three church together, there I am in their midst. So that would be church. I think Sunday morning, what that is to the unchurched, okay, and I'll just say people who don't, aren't familiar with scripture, they look at that and they look at the building and it's understandable and they describe it as a church. Now, I'm not going to fight over the definition because I think it's fine if things change their definition over time. It's common. They do. I think it's just we have to be – we have to accept the reality of what it is and what it isn't. So if someone says, I'm going to church, I'm not going to like – my daughter, if she says, hey, daddy, we're going to church Sunday morning. I'm like, no, that's not – right church is family it's described as a body and where we're going to is a building where the body gathers i'm not going to get all weird i'm going to say listen okay we're going to church that's the common parlance we're going to church but understand when we understand what church is described as in the scriptures it's not talking about sunday morning sunday morning is a short period of time where the church gathers to do whatever it is they do some churches they get together they just pray some churches they get together they want to sing more some churches get together they want to hear more teaching Whatever it is, that's what they do. It's kind of like the synagogue in the early days of the, in the first century, but it's not equal to church. It's part of church, right? but it's not – it doesn't begin and end on that, in that morning. Yeah. Is that well, helpful? Let me throw this at you, all right, because I, I, do, I do agree with what you're saying. Like we're on the same page, right? Like ultimately, I think church in its purest form is just a gathering of – people who have a common belief, if you will, right? Okay. A common faith. I don't because it's not a matter of belief, it's a matter of faith. And I'm on that. And I like I like that boat. Right? I'm all I'm all for hopping on that boat. But I think this is the the other issue is that we have a history And that history, whether we like it or not, has brought us to a place mm-hmm. where church also means the place. Right. Right? So ch- church in its more in its most biblical definition, if you will, is the people. But we've now arrived at a place in which the church for most people means the place slash the organization, right? right? Yes. And I try to take this approach with uh, with a lot of problems I'm solving, right? And 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 so I'd like to, to hear your thought on what I'm about to say. And I was actually having this conversation with somebody very recently, and it's, it's, I'm glad that we're having this discussion because I feel like this other discussion I had prepared me for this one unbeknownst to me. Nice. And this goes back to what I was saying, that I think if if you're asking the question of how we should organize church, I think ultimately church should be a reflection. Church, the, the place and the organization 
should be a reflection of it of the people. So, I agree with that. And all I'm saying is that I think a lot of the a lot of the problems that the that we have that revolve around church, the meeting at a given time in a given place, and the organization of church, you can solve by addressing the people. Right. You know, that's all I, I gave you the whole long diatribe just to say that. That the best mm -hmm. way to address <clears throat> like sort of uh logistical and logistical issues having to do with the organization and the happening of what we call a church service have a lot more to do with what you say about the people and what you teach the people than they do actually about like the strategy and the organization. Yeah. And I think that's I think, the best way to approach it. I Well, I would agree. But what, what approaching it that way exposes the reality that what they're tripping up over is not important. Right. So, so it's like you're teaching a class of students and they're all having to use, you know, number two pencils and sit down. And what ends up happening is um, imagine the teacher starts getting on a couple of the kids because they're not holding their pencil the right way. They're doing the work, but they're not holding the pencil the right way. And so she's getting tripped up over the fact that they're getting the same somewhat of an outcome, but you know, the pencil, you know, it's, it's, it's nitpicking over things that are not core and essential. And I think Jesus even told the Pharisees this, he was like, listen, you guys are straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. And for there's a couple of things. Okay, so service starts at 10 a.m. Half the people are there. The other half aren't there. And then the, someone sees it as a problem because we have to start on time. And we have to end on time. We've got to be very efficient, right? And I think that right there, that very Western mindset, this kind of scientific management that's crept into the church of efficiency and how you can get the most output for the minutes that you put together. Like that's a very, that's a very wrong place to start because it, okay. So when Jesus says he scattered the seed, he said, you know, some will do 30, some will do 60, some will do a hundred fold. Right. Whoever does 30 is going to do 30. You can't make them do 60. That's just what they do. They do third. They're going to be late every Sunday. <laughs> and if you try to address it at midweek, they're not showing up to your midweek church services anyway. So you're talking to people who are there on time probably. Right? So the whole idea of like focusing so much on how much on time you start because you have to respect. They, they try to level it up to respecting God, disrespecting God. I will say this. If Jesus was preaching, most people would probably be there really early. Right? Right. And so the question comes down to if you if you really want to get down to why people aren't showing up on time, maybe they're just not excited about your church. Right? Like the reality the reality is if if there's a if if there's a problem with people if there's a problem with people showing up on time, you don't you don't go to okay, how do we force the outcome of them arriving on time? That's the wrong question to ask. The right question to ask is, one, why do we care about this in the first place? 
okay? And what biblical grounding do we have? Because it can make people really weird. Right. Like they start like rebuking people for not being there at 10 o'clock, ready to go, standing with their hands folded, looking forward, and it's 10.01. So that's one thing. Why do we care about this? Second question is, if people aren't coming on time, why is that? Right. Okay? Now, I push back on that whole entire thing because, honestly, I don't care. Like, if someone comes at 10.15, at 10.30, and at 10 o'clock, whatever the reasoning behind that, to your point earlier, you care more about the people, right? Who knows what happened? I, I happened to know my person. One time, I was on the way to church. Church. I was going the way to church. And I was going to be early. Probably about a quarter of a mile there, my daughter, who was sick, threw up in the car. I dropped off my wife, turned around, went home, changed her clothes, got her ready, cleaned her up, encouraged her, drove her all the way back to church, and it was about a 25-minute drive back and forth right. each way. So I was late. First question someone, I think, might, might have said, oh, you're coming in a little late today, huh? <laughs> Like, I'm like, are you kidding? Do you know what I just went through? And so my point being is that, like, we, 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 we trip up. The most valuable thing is the soul of the individuals who are walking in the door, right? Not the clock right. set to Eastern Standard Time. Sure. And, and, and it trips us up, man. And so I think I push back against the whole thing because I think that the conversation you were having with whoever you're having it with, one, you mentioned it should emulate the people that are in the, in the culture which I agree with. So like in the city of Miami, we're multicultural. So our church should be multicultural, sure. right? Like that's just, I think that's a given. So it adapts somewhat to the culture, like so stylistic and music, maybe even, even the dress code, you know, we have principles like, you know, guarding each other's hearts, modesty, but for the most part, we'll get it. But when you start getting down to things that are non-biblical, I'm not going to say anti-biblical because certainly um, doing our best and being punctual, things of that nature, disciplined or biblical. But I would say it's non-biblical on a Sunday morning where no Sunday morning is described on how and when to start and what the format is going to be. Then we start getting into areas like the Pharisees did in the first century. We start adding rules on top of how to obey the Sabbath right. that are non-biblical. And what ends up happening is we care so much more and we have meetings around how can we get people to start at 10 and what's going on? You know, why can't we get, you know, 10 o'clock becomes such a predominant discussion and you're not even caring about the poor, the weightier things of the law. You're not caring about serving your community. Right. I think to your point, like if people were serving the community, they were caring about the poor, they were vibrant about one another and their relationships, people would look so forward to coming right. and that would solve that problem. Right. Rather than, looking at the symptom and trying to chop off that branch, not realizing right. there's a root giving birth to it. Right. No, but I think even even with the – this is what, what I thought of when you told your story, right? Like if, for example, just to the point that I was trying to make, if you were to, say, have a super hospitable church, mm -hmm. when you get there late, right, the first thing that somebody throws at you isn't like, oh, a little late there, hey? It's mm -hmm. like, no, man. Hey, Chris, how are you? You look a Everything little okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, if the person cared more for welcoming you. Right. Then they care about like what time you got there, which again are two very different things. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then dude, like, then you would have said like, Oh man, you can't imagine the morning that I had. 
we're on our way here and my daughter threw up and if this person is an adult like almost every single parent has a story like that you know what i mean like sure. oh, we're on our way to whatever and blah, boom we dude if, if you've been a parent for for chances are that you've had an experience that's like that right and all of a sudden because that person asked because they were trying to welcome you because they care about you right because they're trying to bring you into their world right all of a sudden they ask the question of like oh man are you okay you look a little stressed and you explain and all of a sudden it's it's a it's a moment in which two people can connect over like oh man let me tell you the story of when right. something like that happened yes Yes. You know I mean? but, but again, it's like if, if you have a church in which that, that is an expression of the Christian values that we hold so dear to, right? I think stuff like that and in, in sort of those moments of connection and all this other stuff would happen regardless of the structure, right? And regardless of sort of how you organize it into into sort of where we started this conversation, right? Say the kid that really cares about like genuineness and feeling connected and feeling like um, people really care about him and all this. So it's sincerity is the word I was looking for. Sorry, took me a yeah. while there. Sorry. Right. That kid that cares for that, right? Mm -hmm. If the people of the church are super hospitable that kid is going to experience that connection and that genuineness for sure again regardless of how you organize things and let me say this and i think it's important for us for people to understand this uh at least from my perspective like i think things like uh organization and structure i think all those things are important right like i think uh even in wanting to 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 have a church, and I'm talking about now the organization, right? You mm -hmm. do want a, a, an organization, if you will, that is well organized, and that is like thought through, and that you do think about like all these different factors about your community and the people that are part in it. Like, I feel like all that stuff is like strategic stuff. And I'm all for like all the strategy stuff, right? But I feel like strategy is mute if that strategy isn't heavily and at a priority accompanied by a people who are a reflection of Christ and who are a reflection of the spirit. And sort of to your point, I think we end up uh, naturally caring about things that I wouldn't say don't matter, but I think that are secondary to the question of what does this say about our people? Yeah. You know what I mean, and I think that that A is is much more of a fair question and B a more important one of like where are where are people at? Like if if organizationally speaking and as far from an execution standpoint, this is where we're at, then what does that say about people's expression of their Christianity if sort of this is where we're at? Well, I, so let me – well, I want to clarify something I said earlier when I said non-biblical, anti-biblical. I'll say things are 
The non-biblical things are things that relate to Sunday morning services because we have non-biblical examples of that. We just have biblical examples of like family. So I wanted to clarify right. that. But, but then to your point about um, the organization being an expression of where people are at. So if you have an organization and people are not, let's just say they're not like family. They're not like what we see described as the one another really commands that Jesus gives us, loving one another, laying down our lives, serving one another, you know, washing each other's feet, things of that nature. If the organization is not that, then it's basically a nonprofit organization, like an NGO that goes anywhere. Right, right, A bunch of volunteers doing an activity. And that's fine if that's what it's going to be. But I would separate the organization from the church. And so now this is where it gets deeply, a little bit more philosophical, like, the church, biblically and in a pure form, is family and a body, not necessarily an organization, right. as we understand it today. Where you have a five hundred three C, you know, five one three C, like it's an organization. Like now, the body of believers, the family, separate from the organization, wants to do stuff right. like help in the community have a gathering on a Sunday morning, they have to pay rent at a facility, it's got to be managed certain ways. Then those individuals now have emerged into a functioning organization, right? The, the, it's not, a, we didn't start as an organization. So like say you and I start a house church, so to speak, and a couple of people in our neighborhood come together. We're not really an organization. We're just a group of people getting together, talking about Jesus, the Bible, and we're trying to do stuff. Now, once we start growing larger and we start having needs, like there's a bunch of kids, what do we do with them? They're crying. Let's right. have a classroom set for kids. So we have a kid's classroom. So then it becomes starting getting organized. Now, I think that organization needs to be airtight. So like guys like Andy Stanley and uh, some of those guys who are like, you know, they talk about leadership and how to organize things and have high powered teams and all that kind of stuff. Like I'm for that, for the organization. Right. And then when you talk about the one another relationships, I look at like a guy like a Francis Chan on the other end of that spectrum. And he's like, listen, we don't need to pay any staff. Let's just go. And we'll start house churches, teach people to make disciples and love people. It's going to be messy. And then they get trained. They figure it out. Like you have a kid. You don't, you know, the nurse doesn't come home with you after they get, give birth. You have to figure it out, right? right? So you figure it out and then they grow or like not organically, but they just grow because they're intentional about that growth. So backing up. The organization to your what you're talking about as far as it being an expression of the people, I think the character of the organization needs to be that for sure. Like so if the church is first a loving, hospitable church where they're cognizant of the realization that they might actually serve angels by being hospitable, then when you bring it into the organization, that's just going to be an expression of that. But if the church first is not that, and I think this is to your point, and we're trying to make the organization right. airtight, then what we start tripping up over is people are not here at 10 a.m. And we're freaking out about jackets on stage <laughs> and the sound quality, the decibels are too loud. I have my decibel Listen. app. And, you know, so, and so it gets weird because it's not like it, we're, we're, fo- we're focusing on the gnats, straining at them, while swallowing the things that are way more important to, I think, Jesus and God as it relates to what church and his definition would be. Right. I agree with everything you said there, except for the AV stuff. 
All right. <laughs> Do okay. not go there, Chris Haddock. <laughs> AP guys, always your fault until it's not. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. The most ungrateful, the most uh, uh, thankless function of the church is the guy that's moving all the faders, Chris Haddock. <laughs> yes, yes, because you need a guy to move yes. faders. Yeah, man. Um, so let me ask you this, because I feel like we've addressed all of, all of this stuff, right? And I think mm -hmm. I, I love these kinds of conversations because I think ultimately, I think and we've said it multiple times, I feel like we can get tripped up on things that it's not that they don't matter, but is that they get in the way that, in the, get in the way of us looking at the things that actually do matter. Right. So to anybody who's listening, right, what would you say? Because I think, so some, some, some people that are listening to us, maybe lead churches, some people that are listening to us yeah. are just mere, I'm going to say mere. That's a terrible way, terrible way to put it. But some people may be church leaders themselves. Some people may be just members of a church, right? Yeah. How do you avoid that? Like, how do you avoid? Well, no, let me ask. Actually, let me ask this question. Say you're in a, you're part of a church, right? Mm -hmm. And either you're a leader in it or you're a member in it. And you go, man, like we really care about the things that we shouldn't care. Right. Mm -hmm. How would you advise both the member or the leader to go about like doing away with that? Yeah, well, I think, well, first, I don't think I would tell them to, to do away with that. I think these things, like say that there's, a, there's an individual who has special needs and he serves in, you know, the sound team and he sets up the speakers and he made a mistake in connecting one of the monitors on stage and it made a mistake. And so during service, things sound bad because of something he did. In his or her mind, that's a big deal to them, right? Because right. that's their job. They know how to do that. You know, and they made a mistake. So I want to say kind of do away with it because there's instances where so to certain people, they find value in those things. I would just say we need to re reorganize the, the things that are more important and not neglect the things that are less important like these things. So, for example, um. One, it's a matter. It's it's a matter of teaching. So so if, if I would say to the guy that, because I had that experience about the jacket, like down here in South Florida, there's there's people who come from traditional backgrounds and they're in the church, and there's people who are a lot right. more progressive in the church, and depending on who's on stage, you'll see who comes from where. And so, me, I'm a Gen X speaking to both generations at both ends, the boomers, the millennials, and Gen Z, and so I'm trying to somewhat not have the way I dress be such a stumbling block, right? I, but you can't please everybody. But I talked to the older guys, really, really older guys, and uh, I said, hey, let me ask you a question. Do you think the gospel message that I might be speaking would be um, less valuable or less important by what, I, what I'm wearing? And you just help them question some of their own presuppositions about right. why it's important. Right. So I think it's a discussion first. Um, I think it's a bad idea to go on a church on a Sunday morning 
and and blindside people from the pulpit. Right. Right. Because that's bullying. I would have the discussion. And if you get to an impasse, then you get to an impasse. So like someone just says, you know, we just wear jackets. Then I'm like, okay, listen, I'm not going to fight that battle. We want to start at 10 a.m. You know what? I think whenever people come in, amen, they come in at the time where it was necessary for them to hear whatever they heard. Could they have been there earlier? Sure. It's not the end of the world. I don't know what happened to them. If it's a consistent chronic thing of them being late, maybe they're just late in life <laughs> at things. Right, right, right. How am I going to fix it on a Sunday morning when it's a character issue? So I think, one, the, the, it's a discussion with the people that voice the strongest advocacy for those things that you might find as non-essentials, one. I think it's a teaching thing to the church to say, like, listen, it's okay. Like, in my, my personal opinion, I get in trouble with this somewhat um, in the ministry, as I say, it's okay if you don't want to come to midweek church service in the middle of the week. It's okay. How dare you? How dare you? I know, but I, I say that because in our, at least in my experience back in the day, if you didn't come to midweek, right? there's all kinds of red flags that go off. You're not committed. Right, you know, your head. The body, meetings of the body, like all these other things. And so I'm like, listen, it's okay because listen, those who are going to come are going to get what they need. And God willing, they'll spread it out to the rest of the people. And if I'm going to rebuke people on a Sunday, on a midweek service because they're not coming in on time on 10 a.m., the people that need to be at that midweek service to get the rebuke are not going to be there anyways because they're not showing up. Right. So it's like it's just so it's a discussion. Then it's training the people to say, listen, it's okay. These are the things that are more biblical that we need to focus on: love, faith, hope, relationships, one another. Once we focus on strengthening that, I think that's when God starts adding to the church. And I think if people get tripped up over, like you, to, to your, more to your question about uh, timeliness and punctuality, I think it's a, honestly, I think it's a, a biblical teaching moment because we have, we have to start with scripture, right? Start with scripture. What does the scripture say? What does it not say? Right? Oh, I heard some preacher one time. He's like, the reason why I wear these nice, expensive $1,000 suits is because the saints in heaven are wearing fine linen. Ah. You know, this is Revelation. <laughs> That's a misinterpretation of the Bible. Right. <laughs> and so I think we just got to be honest with what the scripture does say, what it's not saying, and not trying to superimpose principles as though they're biblical right. on things that are Western in our culture. You know, like I alluded to scientific management, the well-oiled machine. That helps us pump out tanks during World War II and, you know, aircraft carriers, but it doesn't need – you don't need a manager hammering people over on a Sunday morning when who knows if their kid got – threw up in the car. Right. Exactly. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, I got to say this has been really good. I feel like we talked a lot about more – about a lot more stuff than I was expecting but it's been a really good conversation. I, you know, I think it's uh, this A reminds me of a lot of our conversations at Panera. Yeah. And let me say this uh, to whoever is listening to this. I feel like uh, to the to uh, to people that are close to me, I always uh, recently I've been on this. Uh, I've been on a lot of recent rants, if you will. But I feel like. Um, if you're a member of a church or if you're in leadership and maybe you're not like the main guy and there's a lot 
of stuff like this that you think about and a lot of the stuff like this that, that goes through your mind and certainly that you could even offer some suggestions to whoever's in charge or whatever. I feel like every, uh, every church, and I'm talking about the, the, the group of people now, mm-hmm. can always benefit from uh, the good kind of troublemaker. Uh, in the sense that I think there's there's always um, there ought to always be a place for somebody who notices a problem and is willing to bring it up is basically what I'm saying. Uh, I'm not promoting anybody to be a troublemaker per se, but I, I do feel like there's a lot of people out there who are very good at spotting problems and uh, and addressing them in a good way. And unfortunately I feel like a lot of, a lot of times those people don't say anything. Hmm. And so if you're listening to this conversation that we've had and you can relate to a lot of it and you can go like, Oh man, like I see a lot of that in my church, then I would strongly encourage you uh, to righteously approach the people that are in charge and like address it and offer up a, a solution or something. So with all that being said, uh, Chris, thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate you being here. Yeah, it was and, fun, uh, minus the coffee. Yes, coffee. we should have drank coffee as we were doing this, is what we should have done. And uh, for those of you who are listening, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we are very appreciative of your time, and we're grateful for your attention. And uh, we, if you want to get in touch with us, if you have any complaints about any of the stuff that we talked about, uh, you can with us uh, on social media at EtherMMC. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, we also do want to remind you that we are able to do all of this thanks to the support of many of you. And we're grateful for your support. And if you'd like to support what we do, uh, you can do so by becoming one of our Patreons. You can go to patreon.com forward slash EtherMMC. And uh, again, thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you on the next one.